Hello, I'm Sabrina Halper, and I'm here with Alex Atala, who is the CTO and co-founder of OpenSea, which is the largest NFT marketplace. And today we're going to have a discussion about NFTs, the future of the ecosystem, and his entrepreneurial journey. And I'm so glad he's joining us. Hi, Alex. Hi, Sabrina. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming. I know that you are so busy right now. I feel like NFTs have had this huge explosion in the past four months or so. They're all over the news. They're, they've become a part of daily conversation. And I'm curious, do you have any thoughts about you know why this is happening now? It's kind of a, a long story that built up with a bunch of different parties contributing to it. One major force was digital artists. In March of last year, right when the pandemic struck, you know, like they were thinking about what kinds of new opportunities, new ways of, of, of driving revenue. Um, our digital artists didn't have any ways of monetizing their work for a very long time. You were just you know, making something in Photoshop that looked beautiful, posting it on your Instagram, trying to drive inbound to yourself, getting design gigs, getting illustration gigs, and just building up a profile for yourself to, to generate leads. And that was that's just really tough. It's to not totally. So, could you could you tell me a bit about what NFTs offer artists, both artists creating NFTs and artists creating NFT pairs? Yeah, NFTs allow digital artists to get their work valued directly by their true fans. So, before NFTs, you know, you, you, like a musician, even you have to get a million people to pay you a small amount of money every year on Spotify to hit sustainability. And that can be really rough, especially when you're starting out and doing that every year too. But with NFTs, you just have to get your 1,000 true fans to buy your NFT, or maybe even fewer. Mm -hmm. And not only are they getting your product, they're also getting a share of your career. And they grow when you grow. And they, in a way, invest in culture, the culture that you kind of are building around your brand. And it's a, it's a much more direct way of interacting with your fans. You can, it doesn't matter what platform they're on. You, you, if you're a, you know, a musician or a digital artist, you'll have fans following you on Instagram, Facebook, Behance, Dribbble, a whole bunch of platforms. But it's hard to get them to do anything because they're split up. And there's also no difference between follower number one and follower number 20,000. Mm -hmm. They're really treated identically by the platform. But with NFTs, there's a huge difference between follower number one and follower number 20,000. And it benefits the fans. So you get, I mean, a ton of things that you don't get with uh, the status quo. And we are seeing, we saw digital artists figure this out first. Uh, we're seeing musicians figure it out. We're seeing uh, digital good creators like calligraphers figure it out, like font licenses, ridiculous market. Uh, now you can distribute font licenses as NFTs, and that's that's just starting. That's that's so interesting. So the cultural value of NFTs is you know connecting artists of all types directly to their truest fans. And and what do you see as the technical value behind them? Because some people don't understand why someone would pay you know, tens of millions of dollars for a piece of digital art that everyone can see. And so how do you respond to that? And like, you know, you obviously, and a lot of other people see that there's an inherent technical and cultural value. What do you think is the technical value of it? Yeah, the, 
interesting thing about the technology is that with a lot of assets, something about it depreciates over time. Mm. With when, especially when you buy physical assets, like physical collectibles, people have to grade them, and it's a huge and annoying process, and it's ripe with fraud. And every you know physical collectible trading platform struggles with this, and every user stresses about it. With NFTs, there's no grading and there's no depreciation because there's it doesn't like, you don't have to worry about what server is hosting the ownership, who owns what, and you don't have to worry about which computer is hosting the image. Sometimes it's you know mirrored across a big decentralized network, or it's mirrored across a lot of different servers that are all showing NFTs that people own. Um, and in that sense, it's something that the collector doesn't have to worry about, and that. That worry, if you just eliminate it from the equation, you, you're, it's surprising how much it unlocks. Yeah. Okay, just to, just to backtrack, what is the simplest way to explain what an NFT is? Mm. An NFT is, <laughs> and I, I kind of change my explanation for it every time. This time I'm going to say, an NFT is a discrete, unique digital good that is attached to media and you can prove its scarcity in some way. So I don't have to worry, it's not, the ownership is not hosted by any company. There's no like single company like Facebook or Google or Apple controlling who owns it. It's tens of thousands of computers on a blockchain and that provides this new concept, true digital ownership, mm. which every no one has ever like really looked for before because no one knew it was possible. But now, be, like now that true digital ownership is possible, you can have things in the digital world just like you own things in the physical world, where only where you have full control over it, and you can sell it and give it up, or you can keep it. You can um, use it in multiple websites it doesn't it's not tied to any one website or platform in particular it's like it's an actual good and we kind of we have we have non-fungible we've been working implicitly with some uh insecure non-fungible tokens for a while like your twitter handle mm. is sort of like a non-fungible token but it's owned by a company so you don't have freedom to trade it or an instagram handle or a domain name um no one people can figure out who owns them but you don't have freedom with that asset. So it's not something that you can build an experience around or trade. Totally, that's, that's so interesting. I'd never heard that, but that it's like, yeah, it's the only one of its kind. Technically it belongs to you, but, but not really. It belongs to a company and they could take it away from yeah, you. Yeah. So just to go back to like the original idea of it's having, you know, it's sort of public debut. Like everyone is talking about NFTs now, but you got into this world almost four years ago. And at that point, how did you first come across NFTs and what drew you to it? And what made you think like, oh, there's something, you know, really big here? Yeah, I, my co-founder and I were doing something completely different for a while. We were building a, a route, like software for routers to use. And then we, we got into Y Combinator and on the very first day we pivoted to building OpenSea because something pretty crazy was happening. Suddenly people were buying these digital game items in a game called CryptoKitties that 
they were looking at not just you know to speculate on some cryptocurrency, which is all that anyone had been doing in 2017. It was actually because they wanted to play the game, and that was the first time I saw people like actually get you know the first time Ethereum the network went down, and it was the first time that my friends started to try to figure out what crypto is, friends who weren't just trying to speculate on it. And I thought that was pretty encouraging. Not only that, but there were tons of developers who were looking at making something similar. It was a brand new asset class. It was like, oh, there aren't just currencies in the world. There's also things. Actually, currencies are the odd one out. Most uh, digital <laughs> assets that we play with are non-fungible. They're unique, and they're only owned by a discrete number of people, and they're attached to media. And those are a lot more interesting to me. Um, so I, we, we uh, pivoted and started building a marketplace for all of the crypto kitties like things that would emerge. And for a while, we didn't know what it was going to be. It could be game items. It could be art. It could have been virtual world goods. There were phases where it was each of those things. Mm. So we built OpenSea to be horizontal and support all the different types. And what was the most challenging time of the past few years building OpenSea? Was there a time that you almost gave up or you almost lost faith in the idea? There were times when we thought that the growth was could have, it could have been a lot faster in the middle, um, around the start of coronavirus. Um, we were looking at some of the, the games were really slow. And it's partly because it takes a long time to build a really good game. Uh, and that it, you know, it also, you, you need a lot of capital to fund the game. And some of these games were struggling. Um, some were going out of business. But what was doing really well at that time was, or what was starting to do well was the digital art market. And it was, it was very different because people didn't, weren't coding at all. They were just, we, we made a storefront creator that let people in one click deploy a smart contract and in another click mint an NFT. And at the time it cost uh, like $50 to deploy a smart contract. You, like, this is money that you pay the Ethereum blockchain. Got it. The miners. And then um, we, we eventually made that cheaper and cheaper until we made it free in December. And that unlocked quite a lot of interesting use and market picked back up. Got it. That's really exciting. And um, what's your advice for people that, you know, want to get introduced to the space, which I think is so many people right now, crypto and blockchain, but also NFTs and other artists that maybe feel there's a technical barrier or an understanding barrier. But, you know, I think so many people want to be creating NFTs and understanding them more. Do you have any advice? How did you become an expert in this? Well, I am, I mean, I see all the projects, all of the successes and all of the failures for the past three and a half years. Yeah. For some of the artists, I don't want to speak for any artists in particular, but some of the most successful artists in the space over the last six months, they've been very active in talking to their collectors. And their collectors are in Twitter, Discord, Telegram. You know, it's a lot of direct uh, chat with them. And you, Twitter in particular, I think, is, has been a really good place for the digital art market because you see a bit about people's work, but also their intent. Um, Instagram starting to get there, 
but Twitter a little bit more so. I think possibly because the crypto community is in Twitter and has been very big in Twitter for the last eight years or so. So the two have kind of combined, where these the the whole crypto community has realized that artists that you know they're they're interested actually in buying digital art and digital artists are realizing that the crypto community is interested in buying their art. So it's supplier meeting their market directly in, in one place. And that's being, really interesting. Yeah, that's such an interesting way, you know, to target the people that are most excited and most interested in the technology. How has it been for you to be working with artists? And and I'm sure it's gonna, you know, expand to just way beyond artists. It's gonna be all types of, you know, creators. But mm-hmm. um you have a heavy tech ba- uh, tech background, and you went to Stanford, and you were in Silicon Valley. And how has that been like entering that community? And, and yeah, interesting question. I have. It's a very new community. There, there are there are traditional artists who are who are getting into the space, and it's it's fun to work with them. But the ma- I'd say the majority of the artists who are doing really well with NFTs. Uh, don't have a huge digital like traditional art background. Got there it. are definitely some, but the majority are, are brand new, and they're they're often they're people who have like some kind of art background. Like they've been making, they they have some kind of portfolio mm-hmm. on like DeviantArt or Instagram, or they are musicians who've been like making music for a while. Um, so. Hmm. I guess you could you could call those traditional. I see what you're saying. It's like it's not it's it's sort of a new community. It's somewhere in the middle. They they have a maybe a tech background too, or they're they're digital artists. So they're they're creating you know that community. Yeah, I guess the I guess let me I'll rephrase my answer to that whole question. The the new the the artists that I've been learning from and working with, uh, you know. Are, are not like physically painting things and, and selling them on traditional art marketplaces. They, they started getting known in the digital realm and their, their name was made in this new world. Got it. So do you feel that that must be exciting for you to be building a platform that allows so many people to kind of, you know, reach success and flourish in something they've been doing for a while. And I bet that's felt good. It does. It feels. It's. It's great. It's really a privilege. Um, it's. It's not. It's something that we kind of ran into. On, you know, it just. It just happened without. At the very beginning of NFTs, we weren't sure what the exact right application would be. There were just some interesting hypotheses and yeah. some, uh, you know, very intense communities that validated those. Uh, yeah, it was, it's a brand new asset class, though, a brand new market. Hard to know what's going to happen to it. Uh, very cool technology, though, and uh, a lot of very intelligent developers and engineers were taking interest in it and building on top of it. And when I saw that happen, I realized that there could be something here. Like anytime a lot of very intelligent technical people move into a new industry, there's potential for like really cool applications to emerge. Yeah, and huge growth. It's mm-hmm. like a big stamp of a, approval and like potential for for innovation and everything. Mm-hmm. 
And what do you think about the traditional memorabilia market? So like, you know, baseball cards, Pokemon cards, like these very physical objects that degrade, but you know, they hold sentimental meaning in some way or another. And they are, you know, maybe one of a kind or one of a few. It is hard to authenticate that. We, you kind of went into your reasons already of, you know, what NFTs offer compared to that. But do you, do you see like a future in which they, they pair? Like now for, you know, new cards produced, there'd be an NFT pairing. Do you see, do you think that that will continue to exist or will they merge? Or I, yeah, do you have thoughts about that? Yeah, we've, we've had a couple experiments where people are selling both the physical and the digital good on OpenSea. And you know, we have unlockable content, for example, where, where you can unlock something if you're the owner and only if you're the owner of the NFT directly on OpenSea. We, you know, there's a company that's like, uh, that sold wine where you could buy the wine bottles as NFTs and then redeem them for the actual bottles later. Uh, it could make sense for you know, something, something like that. Same thing with, uh, with diamonds. So yeah. the, what, what I've seen though work uh, the best so far is when the NFT is the true thing being traded and the physical good is kind of given almost as a reward to the mm -hmm. owner. Um, there's even times when the physical good is given to every single owner. So whenever it's traded again, uh, Beeple will the, the artist Beeple will give or allow the the new owner to redeem a frame, a digital frame that will show the work whenever you want. You can just put in your house. Um, in, in, it's called an infinite object, and it is very cool. That is really cool, and it's sort of almost like. Usually in traditional art, maybe the person that buys buys it first gets to interact with the artist, or you know gets to gets to feel that, and then that kind of that connection gets completely lost. But it's cool for artists to be able to track their work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and very important. And looking to the future of OpenSea, I have so many questions because I think everyone, and also in the crypto community, there's a lot of different types of questions, and you're an expert in it. And I think people want to hear from you. Um, First of all, to you, what's your vision and mission of OpenSea today? And just where do you see it going in five or 10 years? How do you think that the market will broaden? Are there other parts of society that you know could become NFTs? That's a lot of questions, mm -hmm. but how do you view the future? I'm sure it's very exciting and there's a lot on your mind that maybe you can't tell us yet, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I can say some stuff. I, first of all, in, at a very high level, anytime information is being transferred in the internet, value can be transferred too. Uh, just imagine every website having, getting marketplaceified, or there is some sort of memorabilia or some sort of digital goods that makes sense for that community being sold in tandem with the information being exchanged. Every newspaper, every subreddit, every, uh, every community on the internet like has members that want to exchange value. Mm. And it's just a just a question of figuring out what that value is. Now that we have a really easy way of pow of building that value, uh, it's just about creativity now and figuring out what's going to stick. And there's so much incentive to figuring to answering that question mm. and figuring out what sticks to your favorite community. And there's, you know, there's a uh, there's kind of an easy 
an easy way of finding product market fit. You don't have to get everybody to buy it. You just have to get the most passionate people to show support and help you develop it and help you market it. So at a high level, I see the internet moving in that direction. Mm. And then more near term, not everything has to be on Ethereum. Um, I think there's going to be Ethereum is is very tricky to scale, and like CryptoKitties, you know, couldn't like had a lot of trouble with it. We're having a lot of trouble with it now. Yeah, and I've I've heard about this, but can you explain why that is? Yeah, the there's this concept called gas, which is the the money that you pay to get your transaction included in the blockchain, and you have to you have to incentivize the blockchain's miners to accept your transaction. When you buy an NFT, that's a transaction. Even when you set up your account sometimes on some decentralized apps, that's that's a transaction. So that provides that becomes a huge user barrier. And the worst part about gas is that the more people are using Ethereum, the higher the, the more expensive it is to use Ethereum. Like it it uh, it work. It doesn't. It it doesn't scale. It, it's the opposite of scaling. Yeah. So, we, you know, we pay for gas as much as we can for users, and we, you know, we've we've built the marketplace in a way to remove it. Like we, in December, we launched the ability to make NFTs for free, so that you don't have to pay any gas to mint them. That's awesome. And that's helped a little bit, but there's still a lot to go, especially when you buy like a small price collectible. That's like five, ten dollars, and you're paying a twenty, thirty dollar gas fee. Then people just their minds are blown in the wrong way. Yeah. So we have been for the last couple of months building developer tools and teaching developers to move to other blockchains to la- called layer two blockchains. That are yeah. And which blockchains are those? Uh, Matic and Clayton. Uh, Matic's now called po- Polygon, um, but Matic their blockchain is being used by couple dozen developers right now and for a good number of developers is enabled on OpenSea and Clayton um, which is mainly or has picked up some traction in in South Korea Uh, there's a couple others like Binance Smart Chain XDAI that some developers are using too and we want to support as many good ones as we can Um, there's also Flow made by the the team behind CryptoKitties, Dapper Labs, which is what powers NBA Top Shot. Oh, very cool. Do you see? So you see the future being probably a mix of different blockchains. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be yeah, mix of different blockchains, just like there's a mix of different databases being used to yeah. power websites. And be, no users don't need to know necessarily what chain it is. Like maybe users will care, but um, what we are going to be able to do for these cheaper layer two solutions is pay the gas for everybody. So mm-hmm. you will be able to you know, not worry about any fees on OpenSea, which you can now for a good number of, of collections. And probably when, whenever this comes out, it'll be enabled for everybody. But it'll, it'll enable low-priced NFTs, which means that you could you know, have really democratized membership tokens and art and game items that work on a, on a very large scale, yeah. that scale with your user base. And that I'm really, that I think is going to be the single thing that changes NFTs the most. Because right now, they're all luxury goods. Yeah. They're very inaccessible. They have to go for high amounts of money. Um, 
That's so interesting. So the other blockchains that you just spoke about, they basically, even though it's blockchain, it's built around a different system that... The, the, the main reason these new chains are, are much less expensive is because they have a different consensus algorithm for mm -hmm. figuring out which transactions to include in the blockchain. Um, Ethereum has one called proof of work, which means that every miner has to solve a complex math problem in order to add new transactions in. And that costs, it just, it, it, it means it, the more people trying to submit transactions, the more miners are, the more you need to incentivize miners to include them. Whereas with layer two solutions, which are usually called proof of stake, um, it's like running a website. It's just a, a bunch of computers that will um, penalize each other if they're wrong and just move the chain along and they're all like mutually deciding who to trust and who to kick from the confirmation network. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you for that explanation. Um, and my, my last question on this specific idea is just, apparently there's an Ethereum 2.0 in the works and mm -hmm. So I guess you'll be excited to see what that looks like and if it can fix this problem. Yeah, and it will. Ethereum 2.0 is is not proof of work, and it's going to be, you know, sim it, it, gas price will not explode, and it'll it definitely it looks like it's going to fix this problem. In the meantime, it's it might take a while for Ethereum mm -hmm. 2.0 to launch. So in the meantime, like developers are, and and maybe even after Ethereum 2 launches, developers are using chains that look like Ethereum or act like a blockchain, but are a lot cheaper to build, to, to scale with. Got it. This space is so exciting, and but there are some you know potential threats to it. And I guess one thing I just wanna ask you about is, there's a lot of energy consumption in blockchain technologies. And I know that Bitcoin uses a lot more than Ethereum and, and other types of blockchain, but um, how do you think about kind of like the environmental issue of it? Or do you see a solution basically if the world becomes more and more, you know, focused mm -hmm. on being environmentally minded? Do you see that as a threat to the space? Well, that uh, this proof of stake consensus algorithm that I've been talking about yeah. doesn't use much energy at all. It's just, it uses as much energy as running a normal website. Okay. Um, the, the, the high energy usage comes from proof of work. So when, when Ethereum 2 launches, then that, that concern goes away too. It's, it's the same amount of money. It's just like a normal website spinning up and using a bunch of servers to, a fixed number of servers to power it. So that's, That's what we, we've been telling developers who are concerned about that to build on one of our layer twos. And we have a lot of tools and good number of projects. Um, a couple examples are Zed Run, Art Vitars, uh, there's uh, Neon District, there's Ethereumon. There's, there's a good number of projects that are getting a lot of traction and there's no there's minimal environmental impact. Got it. And okay, that's amazing to hear. And that seems like a, a very clear solution that's on its way. And um, what about what about governmental regulation just on the crypto space in general? I know the Biden administration recently announced they want to further regulate it, but they didn't give it give many details. Do you think that'll make it more difficult? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, I, 
I'm not familiar with what the Biden administration is considering uh, in this area. But a nice thing about NFTs is you are getting a product. It's like selling a thing. Yeah. Um, it's and it and it's free too. It's really it's it's like a free market. It's just it exists. Um, it has a creator. They're making a good and they're selling it, just like people do in in the in physical world. Yeah. And I like it, it. It's it turns creators into entrepreneurs in a way because they're making products. That, not to um, say that art is a product. It's a lot more than that. But it's. I think it'd be pretty hard to regulate in that sense. Got it. So, okay, so maybe this discussion is more about cryptocurrencies, just in terms of the government might want to have more power over major currencies in their... Yeah, there's there's been a bunch of ed- existing precedent, though, um, for Bitcoin and Ethereum just being currencies, and it looks hard, it, it looks pretty implausible to me that anything is going to change there after the presence that um, the SEC's already set for them. Got it. Well, that's good to hear for the crypto community. And um, this is this is going to be one of my last questions, but I just want to ask you, what is your favorite NFT? And maybe that's like choosing a favorite child and you, you can't pick, but is there, I don't know, what's your favorite one? Have you made an NFT? Yeah, I have uh, I have a collection of pictures of my brother's cat. I have a well, I have a collection called birth stamps where I um, I give it to every OpenSea employee when they joined, and it basically is specially designed so that it's only tradable on your birthday. But there was a bug in it, so <laughs> that every like year. It would move back a couple of days, and then it was just a couple of days off from your birthday. So now it's a bugged up birthday contract. My that's favorite. such a cool idea, though. I love <laughs> that idea. The NFTs will always remember. <laughs> yeah, but my favorite NFT, yeah, it is like choosing a favorite child. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give it. A, I'll give one that popped up yesterday that I thought was very cool, called Board Ape Yacht Club. And it's basically these, it's an art collection of apes that look, they have tons of attitude. It's really great art. These apes are all automatically generated based on when you minted them. They have something like 170 pop, like different traits. And you get randomly assigned a trait depending on when you minted the ape. So there's like an ape with a pipe and a crown uh, with laser eyes, wearing a coat, looking really bored. <laughs> and there's 10,000 of them. And if you own one, then you get to join this website. You could join this community with something called the bathroom, where you can write graffiti on the wall. And it gives you access to like the, the, this community of, of owners of bored apes. And there's a couple other things that they're working on. That's the so cool. team is pretty seems pretty technical, pretty serious, and pretty artistic. And it's like it's like a social club almost, <laughs> a digital social club with very cool art. So I, 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 it is an exciting project. That, like is that. A, that is a really exciting project. I'm going to have to check that one out. 
And my last question is, what is your biggest piece of advice to you know people that want to be an entrepreneur, start a company, take a risk? And now that you've done it several times and you've like really reached success and hit on something so special. Number one piece of advice I would say is actually talk to your users a lot. I, it depends on the type of startup you want to make. You know, if it's if it's a B two B company or you're, you're you're making a service for a business or a, or a consumer company, but the the one of the biggest things for us early on was being really deep in chat with users and talking a lot with them and talking to many of them and figuring out ways of increasing the depth of conversation and increasing the number of conversations day after day after day and eventually like a bigger picture forms in your mind i think a lot of entrepreneurs make the mistake of thinking they they've got it thinking it's just their instinct is correct and you know, they, they're like, you know, they have some light bulb that they need the rest of the world to see and that it's so clear in their mind what the future is going to be. And the other mis another big mistake they make is making something that they wouldn't use themselves or that their friends wouldn't use themselves. Um, just something that seems cool in theory, but like really putting yourself in another person's shoes or just even checking your own friend's shoes and seeing how much they use it and if they really want to use it, it turns out it doesn't meet that test. I, that's like a necessary test. Yeah, it seems it seems obvious, but I even in my experience of being around people at my school who have tried to start a bunch of things, I totally see what you're saying. I think that's a, a common misstep. Well, thank you so much for being here, Alex. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And is there anything else that you want to share and off with? No pressure. That's really just an open, an open idea. But if not, this has been really insightful. And I, I honestly, am. I'm just so happy that that we did this. And it's, it's explained a lot to me. And I'm sure a lot of people will find it really useful and exciting. And everyone has to go on. OpenSea to create NFTs, get NFTs, look at them. You know, no one has done, no one has figured out how to do NFTs for a podcast yet. Really? I'll, I'll end with that. It'll oh, a, so I actually heard that I listened to Snacks Daily, which mm -hmm. is a Robin Hood's podcast. Daily. Amazing. Yeah. And they were saying that they NFT'd their it. podcast. Yep. They, they did, I think I've only seen two. Um, and I talked to them a little bit about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if the right way of doing it is just to like take the whole audio clip and turn it into an NFT. I think there's probably something creative that Got needs it. to happen in between those two steps. Um, not sure anyone knows what that is yet, but there's so many things that you, there's so many ways of being creative in the digital world, yeah. especially if you have uh, good content that people are looking at and checking out and caring about. And if someone, if someone has a good memory about content that you've made, then they could be a true fan. So how do you convert that? Like how do you give something to the true fan that they actually want? Yeah, that's so interesting because I even think about like people I listen to on Clubhouse who are like kind of like almost philosophers and I think they're so cool. And like, But 
yeah, maybe it's like them NFTing their podcasts or their thoughts or their the things they write. Like that is so interesting beyond beyond Twitter and some of the ones you've seen that are kind of like that so far. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, my my actual last question. I just thought of one more thing I wanted to ask you. Is like right now there's a lot of talk about NFTs as they relate to art, and I'm sh- and it's already shaking up the art market, and it's been kind of championed by a lot of big art houses and sellers. But um, there's also, what are some of the other spaces right now that are already in it? It's real estate. Yeah, I mean, people have been using digital goods in Fortnite and games for a long time now and just never knew what an NFT was or what the benefits would be. And now people kind of care about NFTs. So gaming, I think, is going to be a really good space Mm -hmm. to watch next. There's music. Um, a lot of creators taking often pieces that they've recorded but never released or raw versions of songs that everyone loves or That's just cool. clips in the recording studio that were like before or after the actual uh, recording and turning those into NFTs. That stuff is memorabilia that your true fans really want. There's, um, I mentioned fonts. That's kind of, that's, that one's not even happening really yet, <laughs> but I'd Soon. love to see things where like, now, fonts are important. Like websites are everywhere. Having a unique website is really important. Yeah, everyone can tell when a website is using Helvetica, and you need to like have a cool font. You go to the font marketplaces, and it's just kind of a giant crazy thing. I don't even know if I'm giving the original calligrapher any money by buying the font. So that would be cool. And then virtual worlds are also big. So. There's Decentraland, Somnium Space, Sandbox, Crypto Voxels, just a couple of them. They're wow. all kind of like Minecraft, except you can own the land and control the experiences that get built on it. And uh, that gives people actual stake in the game. That's really cool. Um, well, thank you so much again for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And I really look forward to the future of OpenSea and the space. It's so exciting. And I have to make one. I have to learn how to make one. <laughs> There's a great tutorial. It's pretty easy. Okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll check that you. out. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you have a great day.